Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Over Six Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, the Bandit Burke, and with me, as always, the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. What's going on, man? Oh, you know, just another day. Hockey starts today, so that's a little exciting. Hard to get really into it for me right now. I guess too many things going on, especially with how deep into football we're getting, but nice to see some hockey again. How are you doing, Burke? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing really good. Um, this weekend was great. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. Hopefully you had some good time with family and had some good food and, you know, did what you had to do. And if not, you know, shout out to our American friends. I know Thanksgiving's coming up for them, but Canadian Thanksgiving, one of my favorite holidays. Uh, you're right, though. It is uh, good to see hockey back, but it is a full 82-game season this year. So, you know, the first month, doesn't necessarily mean anything unless you lose every single game, but we kind of ran out of time this week to do our hockey preview. So we might have to dive into that next week. Thanksgiving kind of handcuffed us a little bit, but uh, I mean, I do want to bring it up. I just want to get a couple quick thoughts while we're at it. How sure. are you feeling about your Leafs going into the year? Just no some idea. early thoughts. No idea. No idea. No, no idea. I mean, the reality is, is that we're like, like how do you, it's the same that I feel every year. Like they can make whatever move they want the off season. You know, obviously Freddie's not with the team anymore. You know, they can bring in guys like Richie and, and you know, to me, unless there's something earth shattering, like a John Tavares signing or whatever, um, until they prove it to me, it's going to be status quo. And unfortunately that won't be for another seven, eight months having the all or nothing series, which I still haven't watched by the way, don't plan on watching ever. Um, I don't know why you, do- I mean, I get why you document it because you thought they were going to win. They ended up losing. So it's a tough pill to swallow. But, you know, until they actually do something, it's going to be tough for me to uh, have an opinion until I actually see the puck hit the ice and, and see what they're made of in the first month. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I watched the last two episodes of the All or Nothing. I had to relive the Habs oh, run God. from the other side. Had well, to do it. And I don't blame it, it, it was, it was It was just a ton of fun to watch the Leafs collapse once again. Uh, yeah, I mean, for you as a Leafs fan, I mean, it's just basically you should make the playoffs. I think it would be kind of shocking if you don't. And then you see where you go from there. So that's kind of where you're at. And I guess, yeah, we got nothing to think about for quite a bit now with 82 games. Well, that's the thing, right, is is like the like great for you to relive for all or nothing. For me to watch it makes no sense because, like, I don't need to have it recorded to know what it feels like i live that every single spring like this is nothing new like this is this is the same thing the last 17 years or whatever like we haven't made the one got past the first round in 17 years so you're right they should make the playoffs tough division though um you know five of the eight teams as we mentioned before in the in the eastern conference sorry on the atlantic division should potentially make the playoffs which means uh yeah could be really really tight down the way they did have like one of the higher point totals i don't know if you saw that but like the over under on point totals i think toronto was at like 107 and tampa was at like 104 i don't know what the least did deserve a higher point total than tampa um didn't love to see it but big news for the montreal canadians today yeah it was a huge signing signing uh nick suzuki getting a mu- re-up for eight years that buys four years of ufa and doing it for under eight million dollars a year is just crazy 
Montreal's not going to have their top three centermen. If you look at it as Suzuki, Dvorak, and Jake Evans signed for the next couple years at combined $14 million, which is just insane. That's great cap management. It's a great deal. Like this is kind of those deals where you look at it by year five or six, this could look like a Braden Point or a Nathan McKinnon where he's way underpaid because the cap's going to go up in a year or two. If he shows what he has since his career started, where he can be that number one centerman, this is going to be a bargain. Less than $8 million for a two-way number one centerman is unbelievable. It was a great move, and it's nice to say he wants to stay there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, not having to pay Kakniemi probably helped a little bit with some cap flexibility, which is great, but they still managed the that contract well. And then you look across the bow um, in Ottawa, where Brady Kachuk is still not signed. And he's wanting upwards of eight and a half million. And uh, Pierre Dorian's kind of digging in his heels. And so I guess we're going to see, you know, what ends up uh, happening on that front. Yeah. And I mean, that's the big thing is Bergevin, Suzuki, Montreal got ahead of this. They did it the year before. It's like he would have still played this year. No problem where Ottawa waited to the last minute. So you put yourself kind of a tough situation with that whole situation and it's not good i mean ottawa there's some people who are actually hot taking them and seeing them making that wild card spot finishing ahead of boston and stuff and i mean they were pesky last year so you never know this year but you got to have brady kachuk sign and you got to figure it out soon or you're just going to end up with like this nylander marner situation where you're going to overpay him and you're not going to like it i mean nylander contract's fine now but it wasn't a good situation at first so you don't want to do that with one of the cornerstones of your franchise. Well, not only that too, but you know, forget the overpay. How about not having him play for you for the first three, four months of the season? Like, I think that's one of those things that really kind of is almost worse, right? Like, I mean, I know that Dubis had to do what he had to do and you know, people rip the signings and whatever. I get it, but not having one of your like Nylander to Brady Kachuk. I mean, Kachuk's arguably a better player. So, I mean, you don't have Brady Kachuk. I don't think you're going to have a sniff of the playoffs. I don't think they do anyway, considering the strength of that division. And Boston's added some some decent pieces as well. Um, let's talk about one more thing I just want to bring up about in the NHL. Carey Price goes into the player assistance program uh, for mental health uh, reasons. Um, now, he wasn't going to play at least the first couple months of this season anyway, um, wasn't he? Because he had surgery, No. no? They figured he'd miss maybe the first week, if that. They, he was going to be practicing and stuff if he didn't join the player's assistance program. But, uh, yeah, so it's kind of a tough situation for them. I mean, from the sounds of it, the pressures of playing in Montreal. Uh, he's Indigenous, which has been a lot of stress over the last year in Canada. So you add all these things together, but it's it's a big deal for him to step up and just be like, yeah, things aren't okay, I need help, and... I mean, it's it's tough for as a Habs fan, but it's really good for professional athletes and for just people in general that a guy of his nature can step up and be like, I'm not okay, I need help. So why aren't you stepping up and asking for help as well? Well, the support around the league has been really good too, right? And obviously it was, it was he, he didn't have to speculate while he had, why he entered the program, but I'm glad that they did mention why because there's so many things, right? Like you can go in for substance abuse, you can go in for um whatever like misdemeanor stuff you can go in for a whole slew of reasons so for them to come out and just say yep it was mental health related let's not speculate about it let's you know hit the issue head on i like that a lot 
yeah, I'm really happy they changed the name because it used to basically just stand out and now it's the player's assistance program. So before it just used to be like, oh, it's rehab. The player's yeah. assistance program sounds a lot better and <laughs> it, it sounds does. like it's something there for the players, which it is. And at the end of the day, so it's nice to see that he's willing to step up. It's tough for him, but hopefully he gets right and figures his stuff out and we see him back on the ice sooner than later. He's out at least 30 days now with all of this. So hopefully we see him come Christmas time or before then. And, and, and better than ever, hopefully mentally refreshed, mentally reset, ready to go. In the meantime, you, you got Jake Allen in net. And who's backing up Jake Allen? Is it uh, the Primu kid? No, Samuel Mottenbo, who they just picked up off waivers from Florida, is going to be backing up to start the year. So he's a decent thing. I don't think Florida was really happy to lose him, but they had too many goalies in Florida. Well, the season kicks off for the Leafs and the Habs. Wednesday night, October the 13th uh, in Toronto. And we're both going to be watching that. Can't wait. Yeah, what an exciting game. We have no Carey Price, no Shea Weber, no Austin Matthews. <laughs> Great start to the year. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. Well, and Matt, Matthews should hopefully be back in next week. I mean, he's definitely making progress. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I can just imagine the angst in Leafland if they lose the first game. It's going to be like, – the season's going to be over. So, got a lot of them on the it. playoffs again. And I hope they don't do an all or nothing to start this year. I just – it's never a good thing. Cam, do you want to get into some to football or do you got anything else you want to bring up first? No, that's about it. I am ready to talk about the picks. I mean, as ready as I ever will be with what a shitty week it was. <laughs> Let's do it. It's week five. Over six NFL picks and recap show. We're going to tell you how we did on our picks, how we did on our locks. And uh, just kind of review week five of the NFL this week. A couple of notable injuries, but we will get there eventually. Cam, we're going to start it off with the Thursday nighter. Yeah, and I mean, we all, we both started off the week well. The Rams went to Seattle, and the Rams were just the better team, 26-17. The end of the day, the biggest news out of this, Russell Wilson needing surgery on his finger, and he's going to be out a few weeks at least. We'll see how long he'll actually be out. But that's big news. I don't know if you're going to be too excited as a Seattle fan with Geno Smith starting for the next few weeks. I mean, considering, too, that Russ was finally starting to maybe cook the last couple of weeks, it's definitely a blow um, to Seahawks fans for sure. I mean, I don't really care how well Geno Smith plays. Maybe if he can tie in with the the game plan and, you know, don't be stupid, don't preset it, um, then you're going to be happy with that. But, I mean, no matter how you slice it or dice it, losing a an MVP candidate in most years and Russell Wilson even for a few weeks is definitely going to hurt. Yeah, it's going to be tough in this uh, division. I think the Rams – are still my favorite in the division. I know they lost to the Cardinals, and we'll get to them later, but this just seemed like an easy bounce box spot for the Rams. I think they're still probably the best team in the NFC other than maybe Tampa, so this was a big bounce box spot for them, and we both kind of thought this number was not enough. Two and a half. I know it's going to Seattle, which is big home field advantage, but two and a half for the much better team just didn't seem like enough. Yeah, coming off that loss, absolutely, and we kind of we were both on the side of the Rams on this one, so kicked off the week 1-0. 
Yeah, so we head to Sunday and we head across the pond, the London game. We had the Jets sort of at Atlanta. And uh, yeah, this uh, was the Kyle Pitts game. Atlanta pulls it off 27 to 20. It's funny. This is one of those games where by Friday, Saturday, I put all my money on the Falcons. I'm like, wait, the Jets won last week. There's no (laughs) chance they're coming here with a rookie quarterback, everything that's going on. And that's all I was telling people. And then you had to remind me that I took the Jets. And I was like, oh, shit, I did. But this was really, this was a big Kyle Pitts game. He finally looked like uh, the, what, gold jacket he already has. He's already put that in the closet. He's starting to look like that player now. So that was a big game for him. Big step up. And Atlanta got the job done. And at times, though, I'm really impressed by Zach Wilson's arm. He doesn't make the right decisions, but, man, this guy's got an arm. Yeah, you're bang on. I mean, winding it a little back here, yeah, like, I mean, there – some of the things that you said in the preview show for week five, um, there is validity to. So the fact that, I mean, as I said, Zach Wilson being having the arm that he does, obviously at times he struggles with accuracy. At times he struggles with making the wrong, like picking the wrong spot or the wrong decision. That just comes with maturity, but he definitely has got the arm that he's, that is needed. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, as you just kind of said, right? Jets coming off a dub. No chance they were going to do it again. I was on the Falcons for this one. Um, they covered relatively easily. Uh, that being said, uh, the second half, I was a little worried because they were up big, and Atlanta is very well known for blowing leads. Um, Kyle Pitts, obviously, as you said, a really big game. First big game of the year. Got his first touchdown, which was awesome. I almost hit a big prop. Uh, which was 65 plus yards, two touchdowns at Atlanta to win. I think I had it at plus 1600 and I was one touchdown short. I was a little choked right at the end there when they got that touchdown. I was really hoping they were going to give it to Pitts. They gave it to Davis. It happens, but yeah, huge game for him. And uh, yeah, Falcons got another double on the board. Hate slash love to see it. Yeah. Moving along. We had Miami heading over to Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay laying 10 in that game. And it was close for a bunch of it, but Tampa pulled off 45-17. And Jacoby Brissett is not the answer. Another uh-huh. fumble, another interception, just doesn't look like he can pass the ball. He doesn't look capable, and Tua better be back this week. We can't keep doing this, and this is really costing them the season in a hurry. I mean, if they get Tua back against the Jags, build some momentum, you never know. But at this point, this is almost the let's see if two is the guy season. Let's hope he can stay healthy through the end of the season and see if he's the guy. The other thing that really hurts the dolphins at this point is they don't own their own first pick this year. The Eagles own their own first pick. They own San Fran's first round pick. So tanking is not in the cards here for the dolphins. So they got to figure it out, get a few wins and start to figure out some momentum. Let's see Tua step up. Let's see waddle. But uh, Tampa Bay showed why they were the super bowl champions here. Just pulling away even though early on Miami was really holding their own. Yeah, they did a really good job, and they just kind of got away from the game plan. I mean, I, the one thing watching this game was as soon as the Bucks started getting rolling, they they kept on throwing passes underneath. They threw a couple underneath, and they Brady would send a bomb. Uh, Fournette had a, had a really decent game as well. And Miami's defense, dude, is showing holes. Like, it, it just – it really is. I don't know – I don't – no, again, if, if, if last year games were closer because they were getting those turnovers. And I mean, as I said, I, I thought this was going to be 
a big one for for the Bucks just because I didn't think they got, as I said on the preview show, I didn't think that they had got kind of the the juice they needed from that record game for Brady, and they really came and thumped the Dolphins. I hate to see it. All the a lot of survivor pools I was in, everybody was on the Bucks, and it was just a kick in the nuts, honestly, man. It was it was really really tough to watch. Um, in terms of Miami season, I mean, you're right. This whole Tua thing, we're f- we're five games into the season camp, and we have the exact same amount of answers as we did to start the season about Tua. Like, we, we have zero answers. We have zero. And we don't even know, like, you could say, well, he's injury prone. Well, that's great, but is he a good quarterback? Because I don't know. I You just don't know. And, you, and now you're one and four. And... I mean, there's obviously no prayer at the division. The Bills are going to run away with it. There's no prayer at a wild card spot here. Can you can you get to 500? I think is that a reasonable goal at this point? You got to win seven of your remaining. No, yeah, or trying to think, seven of your remaining. Yeah, yeah, seven of your remaining twelve to get to 500. It's not an easy road. You got to play the Bills again. You got some other tough games. So this weekend, and we're going to talk about it on the next show, but. You got to get some jobs done against the bad teams, and hopefully, two is playing this weekend. Well, I mean, the other big thing is you can't finish five hundred anymore, so they got to get one more win than that. I mean, the wild card is still there. You have the Raiders who are sitting kind of right on that edge, so the wild card is open, but you got to get going, and it starts next week in Jacksonville. But we'll see. This wasn't the game. I don't think anybody had them winning this game. It was just I thought they were going to be able to keep it closer, and again, just. Brissett's putting too much stress on this defense and they're not getting the turnovers. So you take those two things and it's not good enough. It matter it adds the blowouts. Moving along, we had the Saints heading to Washington. The Saints were laying two here and not enough. I mean, you locked this up as your lock of the week. Double and lock. Jameis, yeah. Jameis is every other week right now. He looks amazing. And he was really good in this game. Alvin Kamara was Alvin Kamara, the receptions, the rushing. He did it all this game. And this is kind of what more we expected to see from the Saints. And I actually think it's a big time. This actually might help out the Saints offense now that Taysom Hill is injured and might miss a few weeks because Kamara looks better. They're not trying all this weird stuff. And you have Alvin Kamara, you run the offense through Alvin Kamara. And he he had a game. Um, Jameis, the first couple plays in the first quarter it was a little sketchy you know Washington actually looked decent but it ended up happening exactly kind of the way I saw it happening I mean to me two points in this game just wasn't enough considering Washington's defense I didn't think they do horrible but um, my lock of locks I was very confident in this two points yeah like watching Washington we all know their secondary isn't great and it's injured but this line just hasn't been that good. Like, I remember watching Chase Young last year. Every single play, he was noticeable. Watching them this year, he's not doing that much. And they have Montez Sweat, too. Like, And they seem to still not be getting pressure. We all know their secondary wasn't good. But when you had that good of a line and that good of a front seven, you thought you were going to be able to get it done. And these guys aren't so far this year. So I don't know if offenses have figured it out, how to stop it. But Washington's in a lot of trouble right now. Again, I had them winning the division and me too right now it's them and philly fighting for last in the division and it, and the giants i mean all three of those teams aren't very good i don't that division's still not very good although dallas has looked pretty decent so yeah i don't know what to think of washington this year they need to figure out a lot 
I'll tell you one one stat about Chase Young backs up what you're saying. So he got a sack in the first quarter of this game, um, which snapped a four. He hadn't had a sack this year before that game. Last yeah, year, you I haven't seen that at all. Yeah, the eye test just does that. He's not stepping up there. And you just remember that clip from last year, Mike Tomlin just talking about this guy on the sideline when he was kind of ran into the sideline on the one play. He's like, man, I wish I could have a player like you, but I'll never get one because I'll never have that high of a draft pick. That's Mike (laughs) Tomlin. Maybe this year. Mike Tomlin's, I mean, Pittsburgh will get there, but uh, Mike Tomlin's a great coach. And to just say stuff about that, about Chase Young, like, and he hasn't been stepping up the same way, so... I don't know where to go with uh, Washington right now. Moving along, we had Green Bay heading to Cincy. Green Bay laying three points. Did anybody want to win this game? No. No. The, like, the, the, the game ended with a field goal. And prior to that, there was six missed field goals in a row. Six. I mean, Evan McPherson for the Bengals was even like cheering when he missed it. <laughs> I think he thought it went in, but <laughs> he did. He did. Well, he was he was so confident in the right at the. I mean, is that one of the most embarrassing moments? I mean, like seriously, it's it's at least in hockey. Like when you think that you've scored, you put your arms up and stuff, and it's like a lot harder to see. How the fuck can you not see a like a foot long football go through a wide upright? I it makes no sense to me how he thought that went in. Super embarrassing. I do like the clip of LaFleur basically went to Crosby and was like, hey, what do you think? Can you make this one? And he's like, yeah, coach, I got it. And they were like fourth and in inches or something. So they probably would have gone for it and got it anyway. But he, he, had, he asked him. He's like, oh, yeah, well, he said he was confident after missing three. So we're just going to give it to him. And he nailed the last one. Man, this was just a wild week in general for kickers. Multiple extra points missed. It was all, I think it was almost a dozen extra points were missed. Um Missed field goals left, right, and center. Teams not even using kickers. Like it was just like I don't even know, man. It was it was just crazy. Not a good week for a kicker. The week before, the week, uh, you know, it was the week of the kicker. I think I tweeted out at over six sports. You know, kicker uh, kickers are heroes of the day or heroes of the week. This week, they are the villains of this week, dude. Yeah, if this keeps up, like is a guy like Justin Tucker not just gonna get paid because? There's yep. so little kickers out there. You're like, we need a kicker at this point. Uh, I mean, they wanted the extra points to be tougher to get, and they are. It's harder to kick it now, and it's just almost ruining the game to an extent. But uh, moving along, we had Detroit That was a push, Lions by the had, way. Sorry. That yeah, was that a was push. a push. Yeah. We, had, we, had, we were on Packers minus three, and they want, they frankly probably should have covered. Didn't, but at least they got the dub, and it was a push. Yeah, so we had Detroit heading to Minnesota. Minnesota laying seven and a half. My only comment here is Detroit. Detroit has to be one of the best looking zero and five teams ever, but they can't seem to get this win. And you look at their schedule, and I'm like, are they going to win? But they keep covering, and you got to take them in some of these spots to cover. I'll tell you what, I was all over Detroit in this one, and I I, I remember commenting, I'm like, dude, the Vikings. Do not cover in games where they're supposed to cover. And talk about pesky teams. And we said this too, right? The Lions are a pesky team. They just find a way. And, I mean, their coach crying at the end was a little ridiculous. Um, I mean, obviously he cares for his guys. But, like, dude, it's week five. Like, let's just dial it back a little if you can. I mean, nobody needs the tears. But, I mean, it obviously, he show, you know, 
can't fault him for showing how he feels about his players. I do like that. But at the same time, like, you, like you're a team which, frankly, I don't think anybody thought was going to have a lot of success this year. And, you, and you're in games against teams that have higher expectations. So, I mean, this was a big number for for the Vikings in looking back in hindsight. But for that game, I mean, what was it, 10 points? I think it was 10 points or something. Seven and a half was the line, and uh, it ended up being a two-point game. So it was just, yeah, I mean, it was too many points looking back at it. But this Vikings team, I just don't know what to think of them week to week. Some weeks they look unbelievable. Other weeks you're like, oh, they should easily cover and they lose or beat Detroit by two points. So, but yeah, like not having Dalvin Cook doesn't, but like Thielen didn't do anything all game. No, I'm just looking like looking at this team in Detroit and I'm like, man, you look at like around the league right now, we just had the Gruden situation and everything that went on there. You have Urban Meyer situation. Then you look at Dan Campbell. You're like, how does your team not want to play for this guy? Like this guy's just, you want to play and you want to find a way to win for this guy where you look around the league and you're like, there's a lot of coaches where you're like, do I really want to play for him anymore? So, I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know what to think of either of these teams really, but we'll, uh, I like the Lions to cover. I, I, I'm going to, this is one of those things. Like they, they're covering though. Like they're not winning, but they're, but they've covered three out of two, three to five. Yeah. So they've covered more than the chiefs. Moving along, we had Denver heading to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was laying one point, and Pittsburgh won by eight. And really, I mean, Denver was never really in this game. Pittsburgh's D stepped up when they needed to at times, and the offense actually got it going a bit, which you haven't seen this year at all. Ben had a couple touchdowns, two touchdowns, 253 yards. He had a little bit of an arm, or as much as Ben will have. But uh, yep. kind of, you knew this was a get-right spot for Pittsburgh. And especially against an offense that isn't really good, their defense was going to take over a bit. And they did. They were quite good, and it was just a perfect get-right spot. Even Denver's points. Like, they scored 13 points in the fourth quarter. Pittsburgh had this game in the bag the entire time. And here's the thing about the Steelers, man, is, like, I look at it and I'm like, Ben plays well, and they win. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, most teams in the NFL are like that. Other than teams that don't have talent and, and running back, wide receiver, etc., you know, if you have a half decent quarterback, you're going to have some success. And he has not been good this year. That's the first game that he's actually looked somewhat of what he used to be. Hooked up with Chase Claypool for a nice touchdown, a couple other, uh, couple other really nice throws that he had, and his overall awareness and, and movement that game was just better. Um, I mean, honestly, this kind of throws me for a loop now because, you know, Steelers were in auto-fade mode for a long, long time to start the year, and then I hit them with an auto-fade, and, and they pull out a good game, right? So, you know, they haven't sold me that they they have what it takes to be successful, um, but this is definitely a step in the right direction for them. That's uh, That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is the Pittsburgh team that I saw before the year. Their defense can be elite. When healthy, it hasn't been healthy in a few weeks. And as long as Ben can be capable, which he is 250 yards, two touchdowns. If he can be somewhere in that neighborhood and their defense can play the way it can when healthy, this is going to be a good team. So this is kind of, they stepped up. Denver was kind of a fake good team with the teams they played early, but they looked okay. So, I mean, this is the Pittsburgh team. I think that they can be, and they're still going to be fighting for that wild card spot from what I can see. Next game, we had Tennessee heading to Jacksonville. 
Tennessee was laying four, and you just fade the Jags. Just fade the Jags, fading dude. the Jags. Yep. The only thing the Jags are starting to figure out is James Robinson's good. It wasn't a fluke last year. They're running him a little more, doing a lot more with him, and he looks good. So at least Urban Meyer can figure that out. But uh, Tennessee needed to win this game. I mean, they're still the best team in this division, how bad this division is. So they won this game easy. Yeah, and I, I like the Titans. Um, you know, this is maybe one I should have done a survivor pick on. I didn't think there was any way they are going to lose this game. Um, and they got they took care of business. Derrick Henry had had himself a game. He he did extremely well. Um, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where again, you know, if if you're a team like them, this is a game you have to you had to have. You did get it. You put it up enough points that it was convincing, and just see if you can roll that into next week. Yeah, I agree. Moving along, I'm not allowed to talk about this game, so I'm going to leave it all up to you. I uh, lost my lock. Philly went to Carolina. Carolina was laying three and a half. I got told I'm not allowed to talk about the Panthers anymore. Yeah, I'll talk about the Panthers then. So, full disclaimer here. Um, there's been a lot of chatter. Cam, I, I kind of said in the in the preview show that Cam's right now has the kiss of death. Anybody he, you know, he picks, they they don't cover. Now, here's the problem. Carolina was, was it three point favorites? So, or two and a half point favorites somewhere in there. And they had this game the entire game until the blocked punt at the end of the game. And I just fucked them. And I, I like, you could say that I jinxed you, but I, I mean, how many blocked punts have we seen this year? Almost zero. And it's one, and it's like, I, I texted you. I like, yeah, this, this is looking good. Like, you might actually hit a lock and then bam, block punt, they lose the game. And it, I wanted them to win this game more than anything. I had a huge, you know, three team parlay, got really good money on, and this is one it was riding on, and they couldn't get it done. So, I mean, the, the, the eight and no start Panthers, I don't, uh, obviously that's not happening anymore. Hopefully for them, they get uh, Christian McCaffrey back this week. Um, I think it's good for them that they took a they, they let him rest another week. He doesn't need to get uh, any more injured. And, you know, you get C-Mac back. Darnold has a few more options. He keeps his run game or his movement going and uh, his touchdown streaks going. I think that the Panthers are still going to be okay. But this is a heartbreaker, um, no doubt about it, especially at home to the Eagles. It's just the, big, it's the whole situation was just yucky. Yeah, full disclosure, this game hurt me on multiple levels. I had it as my lock of the week. I decided to stack Sam Darnold and DJ Moore in fantasy, which did not go well as I lost my league by three or my week by three points. And Sam Darnold put up nine. DJ Moore had eight. So not only did the Carolina Panthers and I give them the kiss of death, they let me down huge in multiple ways. I lost a bunch of money, lost a week in fantasy because of them. So it hurt me too. Well, that's all. I I don't want to talk about it anymore because we we were just told that uh, we we we're just going to skip it. We, we've we've given it some breakdown. There's a lot of things that they could have done better on, but to lose at home to the lowly Eagles is really just inexcusable. At the end of the day, you can blame the block punt, you can blame whatever you want. Fact of the matter is, uh, Panthers just didn't do a good enough job this week to get the job done. Yeah, moving along, we had New England heading to Houston. New England was laying nine points. Nine, and Houston almost should have. Houston should have won this game. Davis yeah, Mills looked really good. 
New England wins 25-22. So, so much for the rookie quarterbacks against Bill Belichick. Davis Mills, 312 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Passer rating of 141. He what happened good. there? Yeah. I, Davis I Mills, know. after the previous week, looking horrendous. He looked really good against Bill Belichick's defense. Like, what the heck went on there? And he didn't have Brandon Cooks because New England do did what they do. They take away your best option. Brandon Cooks didn't have a game, but everybody else did. Chris Moore pulled off the practice squad, goes five for five for 100 yards and a touchdown. Like, they figured out a lot of things here, and Houston looked kind of pesky. They looked like the team they did with Tyrod this game. New England still pulls it off. Not close to covering, though. And uh, I still don't know what to think of this New England team or what they are, but they beat the Texans. Yeah, I mean, they scraped it out kind of right at the end. Um, I don't know why I thought that. I mean, the rookie quarterback angle, I guess it makes a lot of sense, but then multiple, we might have to start fading that angle now because multiple times this year, it's, you know, Bills kind of get exposed to this. And maybe the team's just not that good. Like that just Wait. Could, could be the case. You just go off the year before or the week before though. Davis Mills had 87 yards, zero touchdowns, four interceptions. So you're like, really, is he going to do anything this game against Bill Belichick and everything that's always happened against rookie quarterbacks? And he goes for 300 yards and three touchdowns. So I don't think anybody <laughs> saw that coming. So I think this is yeah. an outlier to be honest. I mean, it's, it's kind of everything kind of came together for the Texans and it, it you know, but it kind of is what but, it is. I, I'm yeah, not going to worry about it. You too can't much. Lie, lay nine points with this New England offense. No. At the end of the day, I think that's what I figured out. Yep. And yeah, we had all these angles, but you can't lay nine points with this New England offense. It's not that good. That's fair enough. I agree. Moving into the next game, we had Cleveland at the LA Chargers. LA Chargers laying one and a half. We had this as a pick 'em really, and it was what a football game though. Finishes forty seven forty two. Both teams looked like they were winning at one point. Then then the end of the game was just nuts. Eckler stops at the one. Then he gets dragged in by Cleveland <laughs> on purpose so that I they could that. get the ball back. It, it was just a bunch of weird plays. Like LA chose not to kneel it down and run the clock out so they could kick the field goal to win. But it, it was an unbelievable game. And this two-headed running monster, Cleveland's unbelievable. But Justin Herbert just looks phenomenal. All the weapons he has, Eckler, Mike Williams had a game again. Keenan Allen's kind of been left out a bit, but man, this was just one of the best games. There there was three or four really nice games this past weekend, and this was one of the big ones. Both these teams, I just think, are really good this year, and they're both going to be contending for a while this year, I think. Yeah, and it, and it, it really could have gone both ways. I mean, Justin Herbert and Williams, frankly, won people fantasy weeks. There's no doubt about that. Um, if you're a Browns fan, you can't really be too disappointed with this effort. You put up 42 points. Um, the stat was the, the Cleveland Browns were the first team to put up 400 plus yards, four plus touchdowns with zero turnovers and lose. It's like 463 and one or 263 and one, something ridiculous. Like it, it's a, it's an absolutely insane stat that they basically played a perfect game and didn't cover and didn't win. Like, it's just the, the offense of the Chargers was just absolutely hammering it that day. Um, frankly, neither team really played much defense, obviously, when the total's 89. So if you had the over in that game, you probably hit it in the first quarter. 
Or the sad part court. is, like, watching the games, the defenses weren't that bad. Watching it overall, just the offenses were that good. It was it was a weird game where you're like, there was how many points put up? 89 points in this game, and the defenses didn't look that bad, which sounds crazy to say, but the eye test, watching it, the defenses didn't look horrible. It didn't look like parts of last night's game with Baltimore where their defense at times just looked horrendous. Like, these defenses looked fine. These offenses were just so good. Oh, and, it, and there's really not a lot to kind of dive into, honestly. Like, it just was one of those games so fun to watch. Um, we'll see if the Chargers can, can continue their uh, their high-octane offense next week. Yeah, moving along, we had Chicago heading to Vegas. Vegas laying for five and a half, and Chicago won 20-9. And Derek Carr just doesn't look right. I know he had a tweak a couple weeks ago, but him and Waller haven't been on the same page at all since week one. They haven't had like zero receptions, zero yards, not quite, but negligible. And I mean, maybe we should have read more into because the Gruden stuff, some of it started to come out before the game that we just needed to maybe fade them and be like, they're not going to play for their coach, but uh, just a messy game. And again, it didn't seem like Chicago really played great, but Vegas just kind of kept shooting themselves in the foot. I wonder how much of this had to deal with the Gruden issue. It was out in the public beforehand. Were they just not prepared? Were they distracted? I mean, if I'm a player, that's what I'm saying. I think the reality was is that they just didn't show up this week. And Derek Carr had to deal with Khalil Mack, as he said, and it just wasn't good enough. But when do you want to get into the Gruden stuff? I didn't really care about the game. Yeah, I mean, we can get into it right now then, Burke. Pass it over to you for that. So, yeah, I mean, for anybody who didn't know, um, Friday it came out that, that John – excuse me, John Gruden had, um, in 2011 had emails, um, that he had sent to, uh, kind of had, had sent to some people talking about, um, a guy, an official in the league and, and, uh, made some derogatory comments. Um, this was before he was employed by the Raiders. It's kind of in limbo at the time. Um, so they were like, okay, well, we can maybe let this go. And Sunday night during the the Bills, um, uh, during the Bills Chiefs games, it comes out even more that there's there's more stuff. And uh, and last night was fired or resigned, but was essentially fired because he he had had emails and from 2011 to 2018 he had made, you know, he basically had pardon the language, but had called Roger Goodell a faggot pussy, which. I'll give my opinion in a second here on this, but like this is this is three years ago, some of this stuff, and there's other things about you know sending photos of cheerleaders with, that were, you know, topless to other people, all on work emails, and it it's like, the first thing is if you're gonna do unsavory character stuff as bad as it is, don't do it on company emails. That's just stupid. That's stupidity. The second thing is is like everybody who's like kids nowadays generally like that kind of language is not tolerated when we were growing up that stuff was said around dressing rooms and and stuff a lot not that saying that it was good but at the time it wasn't something that we had recognized was offensive so i can give a pass for 10 years ago he did apologize for it but then the the more recent stuff as soon as an email comes out that within the last five years you've made derogatory remarks to the commissioner the current commissioner of the nfl and you're a head coach in that league, yeah, you're like you're done. 
there, there's no there's no way around it. And and obviously he resigned so he wouldn't get fired. Maybe he's hoping to keep a job in the NFL one day. Don't know really what he's you know if that's going to happen. But I mean the Raiders were kind of handcuffed here. Like that kind of stuff is it's just you just can't really make an excuse for it when it's a, when it looks like a Yeah, pattern. I mean it's just a tough situation. It's something that you can't do and say and everything you went along. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody in their past or in the last 10 years has said stuff like this or had texts with buddies doesn't make it right so that was an issue that i had at first but the other day like you're going to resign you're going to do all this that maybe you get a shot with the nfl at some point because sure if even three years ago in five years 10 years from now if he does clean up his act a bit would he deserve another chance in the nfl maybe and i agree maybe but uh yeah right now it's just saving face he can't say that especially with everything going on in the world right now. So he's definitely crossed lines. I don't really know where to go with it, but uh, I think we just need to move along from this and uh, hopefully he can figure himself out a bit and doesn't actually feel the way and of both what he said and what he said exactly. Like he doesn't feel those ways or at least knows those terms are wrong now and can move on. And the last thing I'll say on it, the, the Buccaneers today are removing his name from the ring of honor because uh, they, they can't deal with that, and, I mean, they don't really think they had a choice, but hopefully the Raiders, they're kind of stuck in a spot. They've now lost their head coach, lost a couple games in a row. they got to turn things around quick, but let's move into the next game. Yeah, moving along, we had San Fran heading to Arizona. Arizona laying five and a half, and this was just kind of an awkward game. Both teams had chances to win this. Both defenses were really good. Both offenses didn't look great. Trey Lance... Didn't look good much at all. No. Don't really know what to think of him. Uh, Just kind of an awkward game overall. Arizona ends up getting the cover, but it didn't really feel like a game that they would have covered five and a half, and it felt like it could have gone either way at any time. It's kind of a boring game. Like, not something that you're used to seeing from the Cardinals this year, that's for sure. Um, Yeah, I was on the side of the Cardinals on this one. I didn't think that this is how it was going to go. I thought definitely they were going to keep that high-powered offense going. Um, But, hey, I mean, if you cover and you win, I I can't really complain about it. No, and it's funny because the Cardinals, through everyone's power rankings, are still moving down and down. And, I mean, they're the only undefeated team, and they keep winning in different ways, so... I mean, the Bills look impressive. Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. But I'm like, how does Arizona keep moving down if they keep winning? It doesn't make any sense. San Fran, I don't think, is a very good team still. I still think they're the worst team in the division. Seattle might end up worse now with injuries. But, uh, yeah, kind of an awkward game. And we'll see who Arizona is. I want to see them get back to playing some of these tougher teams. Let's see them play the Rams again. Let's see them play Tampa Bay. But uh, they keep winning in different ways. And it's nice to see that from Kyler. And that's a good sign of a football team. Like if you're a good football team, you win in multiple ways, right? You can win a close one. You can win a shootout. Um, you can win the boring ones. You can win games that you shouldn't be up for. Um, that, 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 that should be, you know, as I said, that's the mark of a good team and we'll see what happens, but we're like a third of the way through the season. So we're getting to the point where you, you either like, you got to start believing in these teams. I mean, five games is, is, as I said, it's just about a third of the season and, uh, that's a pretty good sample size. Yeah, so moving along, we had the New York Giants heading to Dallas. Dallas laying seven. This ended up not being a game 44-20, but watching this game, it was until 
literally everybody on the Giants got injured. This was a good game. This was a close game. This looked like a game for sure was going to get covered. The Giants were playing quite well. You lose your starting quarterback. You lose your starting running back. You lose your top receiver after you're already missing your number two and your number three. It did not go well. And this defense was holding up really well, but just turned into a mess. Too many injuries for the Giants at the moment. Three top receivers out, top running back out, top quarterback out, missing a couple other spots. The only bright side was Kadarius Tony looked really good. I don't know if you watched any of his highlights, but man, this guy can move on a dime. So I know there's a lot lot of people going to spend a lot of fab on him in fantasy and Dallas just gets it done. They're the only team who has covered every week so far. So, you know, that's going to regress at some point. And it's weird because Dallas is a team that usually doesn't cover the spread. Teams are really high on them. They're the America's team. So the spreads are always a little outrageous because the books don't want to lose money because more people bet on Dallas than any other team in the NFL. So kind of weird to see it and still don't know what I think about Dallas overall, but they keep getting turnovers. Uh, Diggs is turning into the Xavier Howard of this year. Guy who, again, gets burned on some big plays, but he's getting an interception every game, so it looks really good. Yeah, Cowboys are making me money, dude. I, I, as I said, like they're probably the most profitable team that I bet on this year, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, I picked them in a survivor pool. They got the job done. They got the cover for me. Um, yeah, until I see them really kind of falter, and I, I got to keep riding them because, I mean, they if they're just going to keep covering – how can I bet against them? I mean, they just got really nice pieces and, you know, Prescott's look good. Zeke is having kind of his comeback tour, so to speak. He's looked good in almost every game this year. The start of the season, not so good, but the last three, four weeks, three weeks, he's been, he's definitely been good. So yeah, we'll kind of see what happens. I mean, they've had a real, they haven't had the hardest schedule in the world. So we'll, uh, we'll have to take the temperature on the Dallas Cowboys, but right now I am all about them boys. Yeah, so moving along to the Sunday nighter, we had Buffalo heading to KC. KC laying two and a half, and Buffalo took it to them. This was another game where by the time it got to Saturday, I'm like, wait, why did I take KC? Buffalo just is so much better here. KC's defense is horrible, and then their offense is putting so much pressure on their defense. They are now tied with the Jacksonville Jaguars for most turnovers in the NFL. This KC offense, two interceptions from Mahomes. I think somebody, there was a fumble or two. They don't look good on offense. They don't look good on defense. I don't really know what to think of them. And the Bills look really good all around. Their defense looks really good. Their offense looks really good. And this was an easy cover. And really, at the end of the day, I made a lot of money on this game because when it came down to game time, I'm like, man, this is such an easy spot to take the Bills, especially plus three. And that's what I had him at, man. Like, this was kind of my angle. I thought that, you know, I, I don't know if I really knew that the Chiefs defense was that bad. Obviously, they are. Um, but I thought this was a great get-up spot for the Bills. Obviously, they thought so, too. Josh Allen was balling out that game. Um, he put the team on his back the very first drive, got a touchdown, got the job done. Um, man, Casey doesn't cover. You're just going to keep pounding that in. They just don't cover. And let me ask you this. Have teams figured out the Kansas City Chiefs? Not really. They're just making, like, it's not even that teams are figuring it out. They're just, offense is terrible, and they don't know what they're doing. Like, 
defenses have been playing this exact same way against them for years now. It's not that hard. Teams have been doing it for years. It just hasn't worked because Kelsey Hill and Mahomes are too good. Hill went out of this game. Mahomes just looks different this year. Like something looks off with Mahomes. I wonder if he's still scared from how much he got ran, ran around yeah. in the Super Bowl there. But I don't know if defenses have figured them out as much as like Casey's just doesn't look as good. And this offensive line still can't figure it out completely. That's what happens when you get a tired new offensive line. So Casey is just a big mess. I mean, they still got the offense to do it. And like, especially against some of these teams, it sh- would shock me if they can't sneak into a wild card, but I actually don't even see them winning their division anymore. So uh, this defense just isn't good enough. And I don't know what they're going to do for years after this. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at you look at their division, they're last at two and three. I mean, the Chargers are looking hella good at four and one, and that's going to be a tough team to catch. Like, if the Chargers are going to keep having that good of an offense, like, I don't I don't know. Unless they do a Mahomes-Hill-Kelsey thing where they rattle off the next 12 games and, you know, end up with 14 wins, I, I don't know. It's going to be it's – a, it's a tall feat to be sure. Longest game yep. in history, by the way. Longest game ever watching it. I know it's not actually the longest, but there's like an hour-long delay like because of lightning, which is legit because it's actually an outside stadium, Arrowhead Stadium. But, man, I had I, I turned it off at like five minutes into the third because I was like, dude, I am so tired. Like I had to watch like the, the replays of the second half after because I was like, you watch the first half, took like two, hour, two, two and a half hours because there's a trillion flags like – there's so many flags in this game. And then the rain delay. Oh, my gosh. It was so long. Anyway, next game. Even better next game. Yeah, yeah. moving on to the Monday Nighter. What a we game. We had such a game. I mean, it's tough for me. I'm up at 445 every morning. Tough for me to stay up for a game. But this game just kept me on the edge of my seat. Just an unbelievable game. Lamar just went off. 37 for 43, 442 yards, four touchdowns. Zero interceptions, 140 rating. You look at all the records he set for completions and over 400 yards and over 40 uh, attempts. He had a heck of a game, and Lamar passed the ball like a quarterback and not a running back. What's crazy is it was almost all in the second half. Like, he was awful in the first half. The first quarter, they had, like, three three three-and-outs to start the game, and, like, he had a fumble, like – in the, I think it was the third quarter had a fumble or this end of the second. Anyway, he just did not look good in the first half. And then I don't know what it is with second half Lamar. It's like he's down some points. He's like, oh, my stats are pretty shit. I can't remember. I can't even tell you how many times going into the half I need like 25 fantasy points from this cat. And he gives me eight in the first half and he, it makes me sweat. And then he puts up 30 in the second half. And he's like, yeah, okay, here you go. Here's 30 second half points. It just saves the day. And he looked unbelievable. I mean, it. It did help by the end of the game. I think Indy was on to their fifth and sixth corners. They had a guy who they just picked off the practice squad in the morning actually playing. Uh, They already had two injured, and they lost like two more in the game. So it's way easier to start passing it around on and off or on a defense when they basically have no corner, no NFL cornerbacks playing. So that helps, especially when you got guys like Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. But you still got to get the job done. Big comeback. It was, it was a little awkward for me the entire game. I'm sitting there with Lamar needing to have a massive game in fantasy, but also playing him when I had a big lead in fantasy. So it was highly unlikely that I was going to win both, but it was uh, stressful and down to... If it didn't come to overtime, 
there was a chance I win both. If they failed the two-point conversion, but they got it, and then I was screwed, so I could only win one. It, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where it's it's great to win both, but hey, if you win one, you lose one. That's just fine. I just want to comment on Mark Andrews and uh, Lamar Jackson hookups. Man, they figured out like way too late. This game wouldn't have even been close, and they would have covered. I actually felt robbed that Baltimore didn't cover this game. Later in the game, they're just like, hey, why don't we just throw Mark Andrews up the middle and on a nice little tight end slant, and we'll just throw him the ball. They did that like... 15 of the last 20 plays and then they're like oh every once in a while we'll just mix it up and throw 40 yards to marquise brown like it they like if they would have figured that out beforehand and stopped running the damn ball like in the blind side michael orders mom's like run the dang ball bert and i'm like stop running the ball i know you want to try to set a record or whatever you're trying to set stop it it was ridiculous they kept doing it over and over and i'm looking at the tv i'm like throw the ball and they finally started throwing the ball, and what do you know? They won the game. Craziness. Also, Lamar Jackson, hold on to the ball. Like, I know you get a scramble and stuff. He fumbled on the goal line, brutal. And then he and he basically fumbled two more times, was lucky that he had a knee down. Like, dude, if you're gonna run, especially in those high, like like high chance, high danger scoring chance areas, hang on to the ball. Yeah, it's such an awkward game by Lamar, too. Like, his completion percentage was insane. But then you watch it, and, like, a couple of the throws were just horrible. Like, he had Marquise Brown in the end zone. Should have been a fairly easy throw early in the game for a touchdown. Just throws it at his feet. Had Andrews wide open another time. Threw it nowhere near him. So, he only had, like, six incompletions, but they were all horrendous. And then, yeah, his running. Like, some of the times, like, the one was the read option when he fumbled it. Like, nobody bit on the read option. That's the one you hand off there, Lamar. You don't always need to score it. So just an awkward game. It ended up like the stat line and watching it. But there was times in that first half where you're like, take Lamar out almost. That's how bad he was. But ended up being Can't a complain crazy at the end of the half. day. No, crazy game. And it just added – it was a good way to finish the week off with just a phenomenal game, a game that caused me to stay up past midnight and get like three hours of sleep. So <laughs> Commitment to the grind. I love it. Cam? What was our record at the end of week five? How did we do? It was a rough week for me. Five, rough. ten, and one. Oof. Sitting at 45% overall for the season. So one good week can get me back up to that 50. And again, I keep the streak alive. That 0 for 5 on locks. 0 for. We're, we're going for 0 for 18 right now. You're going to have to do like a like some sort of ceremony to get the juju going i'm not sure when like if you get to zero and eight i may you and i can just pick a game i will take the opposite side of your lock and take an l just to get the juju going i think that's what i might have to do if this keeps up you on the other hand burke you had a big bounce back week quite a good week nine six and one up to 49 percent hit your lock so you're sitting at 60 percent on locks for the year it was a good week for you. Let's go. I and I and it's crazy because I felt robbed in two games as well. I think there's two games in there that I definitely think they should have covered and didn't cover. I mean, that's the gist of it all. Can't complain about a plus five hundred uh, week. Um, I think it's sitting summer. That's like a 58 percent week, something like that. Nice bounce back spot. If it feels good. I'm ready to get this week started. I, I need to hit another lock. I got to get this bad boy back up to 75 percent. And uh, keep this thing rolling. 
So we got to pick Thursday night this uh, Thursday night games. Are you going first? Am I going first? Who's playing? We got the Thursday nighter. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading to Philly. Tampa Bay is laying seven points in this matchup. Both teams coming off big wins last week. So it's going to be tough. I mean, it's it's crazy. Like the Eagles covered last week. They looked uh they looked all right. They looked okay. You know, the Bucks had an offensive explosion. I'm my gut tells me that they're going to cover this game. I mean, they really should, right? But Brady kind of was a little banged up at the end of that game, right? Busted his finger up a little, maybe not feeling so comfortable. I may like I think the easy play here is just to take the Bucks to cover, but for some reason, my gut's telling me that the Eagles are going to do something stupid and keep it close somehow. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't really think I have a game plan for how they're going to keep it close. I mean, they haven't looked good all year, but teams on short rest, the Bucks are a little banged up, a little bit older. Maybe the Maybe the four days rest isn't enough and the Eagles somehow keep it to a touchdown or something like that. Give me the Eagles plus the points. No, I'm going to take the box here. Uh, Philly had a game plan against Carolina. It was much easier when it's DJ Moore and nobody else. They didn't have C-Mac. Robbie Anderson's been invisible. You can't do that against Tampa Bay. They have way too many weapons. Godwin, Evans, Brown. Then you got Fournette. Playoff Lenny looks like regular season looks just as good as this regular season Lenny this year. And again, Philly, I just don't think's that good. Jalen Hurts can get by rushing around a bit. You can't do that against this Tampa Bay Bucks team. This defense, these linebackers are too fast for Jalen Hurts to scramble like that. So Tampa covering seven. Brady's going to figure it out on short rest. This guy's been in the league long enough. He's not going to be that banged up. He's played through a ton, so... All these things, when it comes to all that, knock that out the window when it's Tom Brady. I like it. And we're going to see. We're on opposite sides again to start to start the week. Um, I'm okay taking the L here. You need that little bit of a bounce back. Um, I'm kind of going opposites here because I just I just have an icky feeling. And I might, I might regret this one. You said that a couple times last week, and you, you were right. You did look back and regret it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of – I got to go with my gut. It's worked out all right for me thus far. Maybe it's a joke, but I also scoffed at the Jets winning and the Giants winning last week, and they both won. So sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I need a big bounce back week, so looking forward to that. Looking forward to watching some hockey and uh, just having a better betting week this week. Actually, I made a lot of money this week. My picks weren't good, but I made a ton of money, so... Well, you got to start making your picks that you actually start betting on. I know it's hard because we're doing it ahead of time, but we're gonna. One thing that we got to do better is start throwing some of our picks out on our socials. So I'm gonna do that this week for sure. I'll throw out some of my kind of best bets, some of my picks that I like. Cam, you're welcome to do the same. I'm sure you will. Uh, maybe I'll steal a couple of yours and let's make some money and the listeners some money together. As always. You can follow us on Twitter at Over Six Sports, at Zach Burke Over Six, and at C Charleston Turf. And for the Over Six Sports podcast, I am Zach the Bandit Burke. And then with me is the man, the myth, the legend, Cameron Charlton, the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. Thanks for listening to Over Six Sports, and we will chat with you on Thursday.